Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my dragon friend, Ben Bumhoff. Well, How are you doing, Ben? Hello, Ryan. I'm doing quite well, if not a little covetous of the gold you have behind you right now. Mm, we shall talk about that later. Mm. Or right now, because there's tons <laughs> Of things to talk about. We uh, apologies. This is a, a slightly late episode from our, our normal release schedule, but that is because this past weekend, D and D celebration happened uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and with it there were a lot of panels. There are a lot of uh, big fun D and D games and lots of reveals. Yes, and so we really wanted to wait until all that was out so that we could talk about it because there's a lot of there's a lot of really big stuff there's a ton that, of that stuff happened. to talk about a ton of stuff to talk about so we're gonna take uh a whole section uh this episode and we're gonna for those who haven't been able to see it or are haven't caught and caught up we're gonna kind of go over a little bit of the information that was dropped and then kind of discuss it a little bit um maybe speculate a, a little bit and then we're gonna talk a little bit about homebrewing because it's something we haven't done a whole lot of, and it's something both of us do heavily in our games. So we wanted to kind of give everyone a little bit of a leg up and do some tips and tricks with that. So first off, though, we're going to focus on D&D Celebration. And this was this was big. So we'll start we'll start with the stuff that's that's coming soon. So next month, I believe October, it's either like 9th or 19th. I don't remember off the top of my I head. I think it's more like the 19th. It's like mid-October. I'm going to check right uh, now. Fizzbands Treasury of Dragons is coming out. And 19th. I 19th. Okay, good. I was I was mostly right. Uh I cannot express how excited I am for this book because dragons. <laughs> I, I love dragons. Um there are, I think they said, over 80 stat blocks of various dragons. I think they redid a lot of the uh, dragons from the Monster Manual to mm -hmm. make them more interesting, which is good because, to be perfectly honest, and I, I'm sure I've said it before, dragons, Monster Manual-wise, are boring as crap. Yes, they're, definitely. They're just super, super one-note. So... I'm really hoping we get uh, some much more interesting, much more varied dragons between the chromatics, the metallics. They're introducing the gemstone dragons, which is super awesome. I believe there's going to be five of those. Uh, they've got all sorts of um, really interesting ones, like an elder brain dragon. I know. Where an elder brain is attached to a dragon. It looks disgusting. <laughs> Like, the pictures, picture's been circulating. It looks disgusting. Oh, I haven't seen the picture on that yet. I'm going to look it up right now and probably gross myself out. Yep, you will. It is disgusting. Uh, its breath is apparently like Mind Flayer tadpoles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that looks yep. horrible. Yep, it's nightmare fuel. Uh, but yeah, so th there's that. There's uh, a little Beholderkin dragon where, you know, like... 
beholders when they dream and whatnot they create different things mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. if a beholder dreams about dragons it creates a little beholder looking dragon thing kind of kind of interesting uh they have a bunch uh they have another category beyond ancient i i believe it's like the the worm great worm or something like that uh so they they run the the whole gamut into the mid to high cr20s and even cr30s mm -hmm. in this book so yeah. there's a lot of high very high level stuff that you could potentially play with yeah it's the the great worms the gems uh, start at 26 uh chromatics are 27 metallics are 28 and then they even have new stats for basically avatars of bahamut and tiamat which is super cool i'm super bahamut excited being the about that god of the metallic dragons and of course tiamat being the 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 god of uh with the, the chromatic, chromatic dragons mm -hmm. I, blah, blah. we're just so yeah. excited about dragons we're getting the words oh all mixed up. <laughs> of course along with that too uh we're getting metallic dragonborn mm -hmm. we're getting some dragonborn themed subclasses which is super cool uh including a, a really cool drake warden ranger class that sounds pretty awesome yeah that that does actually um in fact in the uh, one of the the home games that i'm playing in uh my dm even said back when this was being play tested he said hey you know do you want to become a drake warden and silly me i'm like no i already have an entire path and idea laid out for this character so i'm not doing the new thing but like looking at all the stuff that's been released for it it is pretty cool looking i mean you get a drake companion uh, that doesn't just it's super happen, cool. you know, it's super cool. And I believe uh, from what they said in the videos, uh, it doesn't last a specific amount of time anymore. It actually stays mm -hmm. yeah. now, which is which definitely is was was needed and it makes it a much more interesting, uh, more permanent companion, which I think is is a lot better in this this respect. Exactly. Yeah, it stays until it reaches zero hit points love that yeah and then but yeah we and the, we get some gemstone dragons i think they have some like psionics and stuff they can do they'll have their own uh breath weapons they'll have their own interesting stuff they can do and i think they said this is the first time since like either second or third edition that uh gemstone dragons have been brought back in so that's super cool mm -hmm. i know there's been other supplements that have done some gemstone dragons i know some of the mcdm supplements have brought in some gemstone dragons with their own like psionics and stuff like that which uh have been very cool but it is also really neat that we're getting official ones the apparently the book has just tons of art uh 15 different layer maps for each of the the main 15 categories of dragons it's it's gonna be good stuff it's yeah. a day day one day one for me oh definitely i already have it reserved i mean it, it's uh um, pre-ordered on amazon as well as on DD beyond so i've got everything all set up and ready to go for it um yep. some of the neat things that i think are great are the fact that like we, we touched on the metallic dragonborn uh metallic dragonborns are getting a second breath weapon in this i think that is something that's incredibly cool you know, not only do they have their like kind of elemental damage type, but on top of that, too, they're going to have like a, a repulsion breath or an, an enervating breath, you know, just like the actual metallic dragons themselves do. 
And I think that just that tiny little touch right there adds a lot of different playability and, you know, distinction between the the chromatic dragonborn and the metallic dragonborn. And it's something that I'm actually really excited to kind of dig into, take a look at and, um, you know, playing it into my world a whole lot. It's going to be something that's pretty awesome. We're going to have to add more dragons, Ben. Yeah. I mean, just the, the gem dragons alone. It's like, OK, well, oh, yeah. Here's where I had dragons before in my world. Guess what? We're throwing a ton more because there's a no type. Yep. It's it's going to be really cool. So, yeah, that's October 19th. Uh, so we're extremely close to the launch of that. And I can't wait to get my hands on that. one. Exactly. Next up, Strixhaven. This is coming out in November. Um, and this is a Magic the Gathering setting that is being translated for um, fifth edition. And it's basically got um, a ton of like, not necessarily rule supplements, but uh, like activities and Mm -hmm. adjacent things for a literal campaign set in a wizarding college. And they said specifically, they tried to make everything outside of Strixhaven incredibly setting agnostic so that you could basically pick up Strixhaven and just set it down Mm -hmm. in your world if you wanted to. And so there's going to be all sorts of of different things. They've got uh, different houses that you can join as a student. There's different specific spells for those houses. There are four adventures covering each of the four years at Strixhaven that you can run either separately or you can run, you know, as one continuous campaign that takes you, I think, through level 10, which is super cool. Uh, there's a new race, the uh, Owl Folk. Yes, the Owlin. Owlin, that's right. That are that are coming in like one of the uh, one of the very few default flying races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them and with the Aarakocra. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is, too, is that um, the Allen, they, they have, you know, arms and legs like a normal humanoid with the wings coming out of the back, too. So it's kind of like, you know, angelic form, but the rest of the body's still covered in, in feathers and stuff. And you look like an owl and it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And there, apparently there are a lot. It's, it's a very if you want to run the actual adventure piece of it. Uh, it's apparently a very unique adventure. There's a lot of new mechanics for making friends or enemies, for getting uh, like school dice or learning dice, basically, to allow you to add to your pool as you're making specific checks on things. Uh, there's mechanics for like friendship mm-hmm. and how those those different uh, relationship mechanics can go and so it's it's a very unique unique thing uh and it sounds super fun like i i want to play through it at some point like that just seems like it would be a a blast yeah. to play through and i mean some of the stuff that you get to do it it's it sounds kind of like persona games where it's like okay you can also join extracurriculars um, one of the examples is, you know, the live action role playing guild. I mean, what better way to, you know, exemplify how great D and D is than by playing D and D in D and D. I love that. 
that's great. Um, there's job opportunities. <laughs> <So meta>. and, <laughs> exactly. Um, the, the neat thing is, is that like the social things can actually change and happen when you actually, you know, you do make some of those friends with those NPCs. Um, like for, for example, if you make friends with, uh, the, this, this nice gnome first year, uh, you get a boom with uh, a boon, which is like, Oh, you know, their energy is like, uh, um, contagious and we can travel a significant distance. You can reach your destination in half the normal time. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. But they also have a bane associated whenever you participate in sports on campus, except for big events, uh, fouls are constantly called on you because you're friends with this person. <laughs> you know, it, it's like high school all over again your friend group yeah. matters <laughs> super 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 interesting stuff i think it would be it would make for a super fun like uh little mini campaign because i think yeah. they said that each year you could probably run in a few sessions so you'd probably be looking at something like you know 10 to to 12 or 14 sessions probably to get through through all four years. Yeah. You know, this might have to be something to look at for uh, a future um, plus five interlude. Oh, that would be a great interlude. Yeah. Just, you know, do a year of school, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind. To keep that in mind. That that does sound super fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Strixhaven uh, is coming out in November and that will be the final book release, uh, official book release of the year. Yes. So if you're if that sounds interesting or if you want, uh, I think they said there's like at least 40 new stat blocks uh, coming from that as well. Like lots of teacher stat blocks, student stat blocks and stuff that you could easily pull for maybe your own world's wizard college or um, whatever. So exactly. Definitely check that out. Next, uh, we look a little forward to the future in 2022. So in 2022, uh, Wizards is going to be releasing a gift box set at the end of January. January 25th. Yep. That uh, basically comes with uh, all the extended rule books that are currently out. So you're going to get Morden or um, Xanathar's Guide to Everything and Mm -hmm. Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So the two big rule books uh, that came out. But they're all they're also doing something brand new called Morden Kanan uh, presents monsters of the multiverse. And this is a brand new book that draws a lot of stuff from a bunch of disparate books mm-hmm. into one. So they're the, basically their, their, their pitch for it is uh a comprehensive resource for players and dungeon masters alike containing over 30 updated player character races and a massive bestiary with over 250 redesigned monsters and stat blocks. So this is, this is really interesting. So they're not fully remaking the monster manual. They're not, they're not doing that. Um, some of the examples they showed uh, pulled from uh, Morton Caden's Tome of Foes, they pulled from Volo's Guide to Monsters, from the Monster Manual. So there, mm-hmm. there's going to be a mishmash of stat blocks that are going to be updated that are being pulled from other books. Uh, and then they're also going to be consolidating all these extra races and such that aren't setting specific, I think is is what they said. Yeah, all the into, agnostic races. Yeah, into one specific thing. So 
and my guess is they'll probably be updating them for the lineage um, system that they've been kind of mm-hmm. doing with all the new races where you can pick your own extra stats and they, they do more specific uh, traits like lineage traits and stuff for, for whatever, whatever race you're playing. So that'll be, that'll be super cool. Yep. Uh, they're also updating art, uh, adding art where there wasn't any before, which is always a plus, you know, as much as we read about uh, what some of these monsters look like, if there's not a really, you know, a, a pretty cool picture to kind of help with that description, sometimes they can be a little lacking. I know I'm, I'm horrible at describing stuff in my games. So being able to really kind of have something to draw on to either show as an example or to, you know, have in front of me so I can give a good description of it is something that I'm very much going to really uh, enjoy. Um, one of the big things, though, that I think is the the most interesting is that the, the the new stat blocks, the way that things are working is actually kind of a sneak peek at a new philosophy into the way that Wizards is going for Dungeons and Dragons uh, with especially different monsters and everything. And that is uh, um, casters specifically are actually being simplified. So instead of, you know, hey, you have this this monster here, it is able to cast the all these different spells at all these different spell slots. You have to keep track of how many slots that they actually have and all that. They're actually slimming it down, simplifying it into basically their basic attacks and adding some sort of like spell component to that so that you're not, you know, needing to worry about everything that's going on. Plus, on top of that, it gives these monsters the actual potential to live up to their challenge rating. You know, if, if you're really not sure, oh, well, I've got these 20 different things to choose from. What's the best for this situation? It slims it down it makes it easier and, you know, makes it that much more challenging to the players that you're fighting. And I am super excited for that because that, you know, um, juggling multiple monsters on top of multiple spells from each of the monsters, on top of status effects, on top of initiative, on top of everything like that, it, it gets a little overwhelming so that my casters end up being just not that great. So having uh, it kind I of pared down, it helps so much more. We're we're spoiled with D&D Beyond. Oh, very much so. Because, because that... I can't imagine trying to run casters, especially like on the fly casters mm-hmm. on without D and D beyond, because with that, I can hover over the spell that they have in their stat block and it just pops it up for me. And even then it's a little, a little clunky. Yeah, I have to figure but out at the least, dice and everything for yeah, it. But, but at least I works. have it. Like I can't imagine like not using D and D beyond and having to flip through a book constantly or print out seven pages of, of spells mm-hmm. or something beforehand just to just to have everything ready so like there this is this is a huge deal this is a huge deal what they're what they're trying to do with this and they said they started this philosophy in wild beyond the witch light is where you can first start seeing this philosophy come in and it will be continued into strixhaven and fizz bands and into all the future stuff that they're doing. And I think this really is telling um, that I'm guessing most of the Mordenkainen Presents book, all, most of the 250 redone uh, monster stat blocks will probably be mostly casters mm-hmm. is, is what I, I would, I would guess. Uh, and it's, it's a really big deal because it, it seems like uh, they, they gave a few examples. It seems like for the most part, most of the offensive spells 
have become actual actions that you can do. Whereas they still have a spell list on the monsters, but most of the things in the spell list are more utility based spells or things that you might not cast during combat or things that if they, the NPC is an ally might help the party with. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that, like I said, it just, you know, simplification for a DM is great. Making it so that it works better so that it's easier to run is even better. I'm a huge fan of this upcoming change and I'm really excited to see what's going on with it. Um, now, one thing to keep in mind, though, that uh, we didn't exactly mention, mainly because we're kind of ex- excited about the whole, you know, uh, expansion gift set and stuff. Um, the Monsters of the Multiverse book itself is actually coming out later. The uh, the, the, the standalone version. Yeah. The yeah. rules expansion gift set is the one that's coming out in January. But I, I don't expect it to be that much later after January just because, you know, the book's out there already. So and it's a brand new book. Exactly. Yeah, so I, it would pro- I, I expect probably February, March. Yeah, we'll see that as a standalone. I'm sure just business wise, it's more profitable to sell gifts, <laughs> gift sets. Um, exactly. And and they were like, sad that they couldn't I do it before Christmas. So, <laughs> yeah, which makes sense. We're in a very uh, tumultuous shipping and uh, supply chain time. Oh, yeah. So it's th- so weird. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes that makes a lot of sense as far as stuff just doesn't get done as fast as as you want it to. But um, I will most certainly be picking up the the new book, even if I don't pick up the the gift set, Um, although the alt cover gift set that is will be in like your your friendly local game store does look super cool. It's got like foil. it's all white. It's got Mm -hmm. foil covers and stuff. I just don't need another copy of Tasha's. Uh, or or Xanathar's. or Xanathar's, yeah. <laughs> but I I will definitely be picking up. I love the just the regular cover of of Mordenkainen presents. So I'll definitely be picking that up as a as a standalone. But just to kind of give like um, the someone had a, an example of this like war priest, this challenge rating nine. So instead of like having spell spells or spell slots or everything, it's basically got. A multi-attack, you make two mall attacks and then use Holy Fire, mm-hmm. which is like your new offensive spell. Then you actually have a bonus action on this War Priest that lets him heal and it recharges on a four to six. And then there is also spell casting with and it gives the spell save DC for it, but it's like at will stuff. So light, spare the dying, thaumaturgy. And then once a day, like banishment command, spell magic, flame strike guardian of faith hold person lesser so it's it's more there's a few offensive spells in there but it's more utility stuff and it's a lot less to look up Mm -hmm. beforehand it's like okay uh i might use flame strike or something like that or or command or or something um and then you can just use the rest run it as is for the rest of it and it does simplify things a lot no more spell slot tracking none of that type of thing exactly so yeah it's it's gonna be good stuff remember i'm really looking forward to it and you know having more just overall at our fingertips is always a plus um finding that stuff at your fingertips is super important as well and like the the final improvement that they have to this is that um all of the the monsters are actually listed alphabetically 
So it's not like by section by type. And that may seem like a kind of stupid change, but at the same time, if you're trying to find something super fast and you don't remember, I think they said specifically like, you know, like, like the certain monster is a demon and you're looking under something else, you're never going to find it. So. Yeah, no, I, I like, I like alphabetical. Yeah. Like I said, it's a tiny change, but still at the same time, pretty happy about it. Yep. Very helpful. Okay. And then finally, this is the big one. Yeah. This is the next evolution of D&D. And I, I want to point out that they never say during the panel, they never say new edition. It nope. is the next next evolution. Um, so this is like 2024. So we're, you know, we're three years out from this thing. Um, so this is this is what it's one of those things that's good to start talking about now mm-hmm. because they're in they they said in the panel they are in the initial design stages yes. for this. And so so first off, during this future of DD panel, they announced uh there's two classic DD settings coming next year. And then a third classic setting coming in 2023. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, they also talked about technology uh, or different form factors for these products they'd never done before, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but they didn't give a whole lot more on that. But they said there's going to be some blog posts coming out that are going to discuss some of those things. But the really big thing is... D&D is coming up on 50 years. So 2024 is its 50th anniversary. Um, and so that's when the next evolution will be coming. And it's not 6th edition. Yes, they said they actually, specifically that everything from 5th edition will work with what's coming. Yeah, fully backward compatible, mm-hmm. which is which is really good. And I, and I had a Twitter exchange with some people kind of on this before because – we're, I, I'm not an old school D and D player. I never played first or second or third or fourth edition. I've, I've been fifth edition only, mm-hmm. but fifth edition has been a huge anomaly in just the D and D stream. It's still growing. Like we're what? Seven years in. Yeah. To fifth edition. Like it's, it's been quite a while and it's still growing. It's, it's not even on, it's not even peaked yet. We're not even at a peak. We're not even close to a downward trend. It's it's still in growth phase. Mm-hmm. And so it would be silly for Wizards of the Coast to try and do a brand new edition anytime soon, in my opinion, just because you would totally split the player base. There's a ton of new people who want to use all the all the stuff it's incredibly popular you've got D&D Beyond which has been a huge boon mm-hmm. uh to the growth uh just in and of itself digital stuff so i they, i think they're they're making the smart decision so they essentially said in 2024 they're going to be redoing the core we're going to get an updated player's handbook an upgrade updated monster manual and an updated um dungeon master's guide yeah and it's not going to be like like super super different it's going to probably be errata stuff updates of mechanics or things they've learned over the past you know seven or i guess at that point like 10 years Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And from just the, the, the kind of mutterings that I've seen, the, the different things that uh, have been popping up, it, it it's going to be more of like a 0.5 edition, if anything, because it is just more of a revision of what's, uh, what's going on, just like Ryan said. And one of the things is that we've had a lot of changes already come through that, you know, you can see like on D&D Beyond that, you know, aren't specifically there in the, you know, like the first edition books for fifth, the first edition of fifth edition. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, but it's, uh, this way, you know, everything's kind of, you know, kind of more in tune to all that stuff that that, you know, has been changing. And especially if the new stat blocks that we're getting in, in Mordekind's um, multiverse of monsters, putting that into another, you know, um, monster manual is fantastic. You know, kind of getting everything on the same page with that, having all the, the, the player handbook kind of going along with. Um, you know, the different stat choices and everything as well. It's really tying it all together into the new philosophy. And, you know, again, like Ryan said, the, the things that they've learned over the course of this uh, edition. And I, again, I'm, I'm excited for it because the last thing I want to hear is, Hey, there's a new edition coming and you have to start all over again. But the fact yeah. that they, the, the first thing that they said was, all your fifth edition books are completely compatible. I'm like, great. That means there's not going to be a massive change to the rules. There's not going to be a massive change to this, to that. If everything's good, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about what we think this means and maybe, maybe our hopes, hopes and dreams (laughs) for, for what this, this next evolution might bring. But I think that first point is, is super huge because they, that right out of the gate said all your, all your, except pretty much except your player's handbook, monster manual and dungeon master's guide, which will probably still be good. If that's all you have, mm-hmm. it'll still work. It'll still work. You just won't have the the most updated stuff, um, but it'll still be compatible with everything. So I think ha- saying that right off the bat was a really huge deal for me. Cause that means if you think about it, if this is this revision uh, is coming out in 2024. That means we could see potentially another 10 plus years of 5e. I mean, nice. which is which is super awesome. I, I like why you know why why kill a good thing? It who knows? We have no idea how much growth 5e still has left in it, and potentially this big 2024 revision could drive even more than that um, because. The only thing you really, if you really wanted to, you, the only thing you'd have to re-get is the three core books. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be pretty much it. So that's, so that's pretty cool just on the, on the front end of things. And I love that they're going to be, and this is a great time for them to go back and revisit like the original races, the original mm-hmm. class, uh, classes and subclasses. Yeah. They'll be able uh, to add sub, like tons of subclasses into those. Yeah. And, or revise and fix some of the ones that may have fallen behind mm-hmm. as because as we all know there's there's always some sort of a, a power creep yeah. as as things go on um and i think for the most part 5e has been pretty good about not doing um massive power creep but there are a lot of the original subclasses have definitely fallen behind mm-hmm. or in some cases weren't incredible to begin with uh so 
having being able to just do full overhauls of some of those will be really nice to see. What are you what are you hoping for, Ben? Well, I mean, definitely overhauls to some of those subclasses right off the bat, because, you know, I'm looking at you like, oh, I don't know, barbarian or fighter. I mean, yeah, there's some really cool new subclasses that have, that have come along that make some of those original ones just boring, really, you know, which is kind of a bummer. You know, we, we've talked about those classes before, and we're really excited about some of those subclasses that are available, but none of them are the ones that just kind of, you know, came along with it. They came along when uh, Xanathar's came out or Tasha's and there's some neat stuff there. Um, I'm also really looking forward to, you know, kind of like, uh, or that they mentioned the, the different uh, campaign settings, you know, I haven't played enough D and D like at all, especially in previous editions to know what some of those settings are, are you know going to be or you know even to begin to to guess but i love every time that they add something because it's unique and it's different and you know being a homebrew kind of person i'm able to pull and you know kind of twist things and turn it and put it into you know my world so anything that's new out there i'm i'm excited to kind of pull for but overall for you know whatever this the the future is the new edition is and everything like that I'm just honestly super excited about what they've announced already, which is again, the the changes to some of the way that the monsters are set up, adding other things like, uh, you know, the, the different um, alternate um, stats, just, you know, bringing everything all into the same roof. I'm, I'm excited for that. I think, I think it'll be really good one for the monster manual. Uh, I've I've talked about before. I think one of Five E's uh, weakest points is monster design. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, um, a lot of the monsters are very generic or very one note, very sack of hit points. Hit hit, you know you're done. Or you have the complete opposite end with the the casters, <laughs> where you have like ten bajillion choices, mm-hmm. uh, and they may fully go up to their intended CR or you might not use the spells that made them that CR and they, they become punching bags. So it, I think getting the monster manual as a whole up to that standard. And from, I've heard people talking about uh, we're almost moving a little more toward four E monster design, which uh, from all I know of four E, I think that's actually a really good thing. Uh, they're more dynamic, more interesting uh, to run. So I think that'll be huge. I think I'm also really hoping for um, some new sections for the Dungeon Master's Guide. Oh, I would yeah. love to see more official information on running high-level D&D. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a lot, a whole a whole section or multiple sections on on high-level stuff. Uh, we're far enough into the life of D and D now that I don't think we need to shy away from high level. I would like, I would love to see it. High level's fun. Like I'd love to see high level shine a little bit. So let's let's throw that directly into the dungeon master's guide. How do I run for ten to fifteen? How do I run for fifteen to twenty? That type of stuff, and then maybe even get some official adventures that start at 10, that start at 12, that start at 15 and go to, you know, 16, 18, 20 and mm-hmm. have some, mm-hmm. some real officially supported, like 
Wild Beyond the Witchlight or, you know, uh, Descent into Avernus type adventures that are high level. And then DMs can have a great example of this is how you make a high level adventure and how you make it interesting and how you make it balanced and all that sort of thing. Exactly. And especially if, I mean, just for uh, Fizzbins alone, seeing some of those challenge ratings of those dragons and stuff, you know, those are higher level monsters. And this will give them much more of an opportunity to have, again, higher level, more challenging monsters, especially if they're redesigning how uh, everything is playing out with them. Yeah. Let's get those used officially. Yeah. So so working with those in like a higher uh, level of campaign totally works. Um, Another thing I'm super excited about is they did talk about having, you know, uh, potentially another like anthology book come out, kind of like Candlekeep Mysteries, you know, being able to pull you know, just a, a, a small, tiny adventure, throw it into your campaign, just have some fun with it. And, you know, more stuff like that, I think really is cluing them in into just how diverse uh, a lot of the players are and, you know, what our needs actually can be. And the fact that, yeah, super long, you know, published campaigns are great. You know, they're they're good for people to get together, have some fun in. I mean, you and I are having a blast with Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. But we also had an absolute blast playing, you know, one of the Candlekeep Mysteries. You know, it's just one yeah. of those things where... It's a little five-session thing. Yeah, being able to kind of, you know, mix stuff up, throw things around, play around with it and, and everything really works. And having all of those tools in an official capacity is great. It gives people, you know, less work to really, you know, um, play Sorry, I can't think of a good way to say this, but yeah, just having everything there, it's it's less work for the DM to do so that everybody can kind of get in, play, have some fun. And one of the other big things I wanted to talk about, because they they talked about and they're hiring for digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is really interesting to me. And I'm I'm really hoping that when they do this relaunch in 2024, it will come with a strong digital component. Ideally, ideally, right? Right now, we have D and D Beyond, we have Roll Twenty, we have Foundry, we have Fantasy Grounds. All these, all these disparate things. Some virtual tabletops, some, some not. All have their their strengths. Um, I would love to see Wizards acquire D and D Beyond officially. Yeah, like that would that would because right now they're under fandom. And so there's a lot of licensee type things. There's well, a lot of that in the back of your mind. Oh, what happens if they lose the license? Oh, is it, is the license different in 2024? Like what will happen to my digital stuff? What will happen to all the stuff D and D beyond is, and I think that's all very valid. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that wizards is thinking through all this digital type stuff right now, because one of the, one of the, absolute best things they could do is from the get-go start their digital platform well and if if part of that is buy dnb beyond as your base that's huge that's great all your digital stuff transfers already right Mm -hmm. if not if they're if they're building something from scratch then at the very least it needs to do at least all the things that dnd beyond can do if not more you need to be able you'll need to be able to transfer all your current digital licenses over there without hassle um just because <laughs> so many people would be super mad oh, otherwise yes. 
Uh, and then with them owning it, and this is something that hopefully they'll be able to remedy this time around, being able to buy the book and then put in a code for either a steep discount or a free copy of the digital version of it. I'd love that. In the official platform. I like love that's, that so much. <laughs> that, that's what needs to happen. They, they need to get that figured out. And mm-hmm. then it, what it would be even better, and what I'm really hoping for, is that the DMs Guild, as it exists right now, becomes integrated into that online platform. And so unlike D&D Beyond, which has a super hard time, it seems, with any sort of non-first-party content. If you could integrate the DMs Guild into this, then you could have a place where third-party content could be brought into the official virtual tabletop, virtual character sheet, you know, all the the encounter tracker, all the things that D&D Beyond does now. But third-party could then go on to it, too. So I really hope it's they are thinking stuff like that through because I have so much third party content that would be so handy if it was on D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I if I want to use it, I have to have it pulled up separately, have the book open separately or manually enter it into a custom custom character, which is very time consuming. So Having like the ability to for third parties to format it and then basically just suck it into DMs Guild 2.0 and have it all available and usable on the official, you know, virtual tabletop slash D&D Beyond thing or whatever they're they're working on or whatever they buy or whatever, mm-hmm. I think would be a huge boon. And I think that's what needs to be embraced digitally and then of course like i said the first party either i grab a code from my book and type it in and i have the digital version or i get 50 to 75 percent off the digital version if i if i'm buying the the hardcover that'd be nice i'd be really happy about that because like i said buying two copies of fizzbins (laughs) yep yep and it it gets expensive (laughs) yes it does yeah, but hopefully, um, but hopefully they are very much considering all those digital aspects. They're very much considering third parties and the DMs Guild and all this um, as they as they prep everything over the next three years to to launch whatever this evolution of of five E mm-hmm. is going to be. Exactly. But we're, we're, we're it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to talk about. It's something we're not going to see for a while, but we're going to start seeing the fruits of it. Like mm-hmm. they like they said Wild Beyond the Witchlight was kind of the first of their like new new school line of thinking, uh which will continue into Fizzband, Strixhaven and beyond. So, um I I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing Me so too. far. Me too. For sure. Okay, well, that, for the most part, covers D&D Celebration. Uh, it, all the panels are up on their YouTube if you want to go watch the, the three days specifically. Um, there's a lot of really fun games that were also streamed uh, as part of that thing uh, for various different DMs and various different different types. So I really recommend you go check those out because there's, there's a lot of really good ones there that we won't we won't cover here yeah i haven't seen any of them yet and i am dying to get in there and to take a look 
I know it's it's all about time. <laughs> all about time. Get get through them eventually. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's it for D and D celebration. But like like I said, go check it out if you're you're interested in in seeing all the specifics yourself. Now uh, let's talk a little bit about homebrew, Ben. Uh, what? Both of us. Yeah. Both of us have been huge homebrewers for pretty much the entirety of our of our 5e experience because there's there's just something about making your own stuff uh that is that is just a ton of fun and there's just the practical aspect of i can't find something official for exactly what i'm thinking of exactly exactly so so ben how do you what is, what is your approach to homebrew? How do you how do you go about deciding when you want to homebrew something, when or when you're going to use something official, or when something like that's needed? Well, it really comes down to what exactly it is that you'd be homebrewing. Because I mean, obviously, the adventure that you know I've been running completely homebrew, completely homebrew the world, and like that's kind of a big like macro look at everything. It all goes down to, you know, something, you know, smush it down, keep looking all the way down to like, hey, there's an item I want to make, you know, like, which way are we going? Like, where do you want to start? Because <laughs> there's a lot. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, uh, in all honesty, I, I started with the world and even then I started everything just as a one shot, which was. Hey, I need a town. I need this thing to happen. And, you know, I kind of pulled different resources and, and stuff that I could to figure out, you know, where this would take place, the the kind of monsters that I would have and, and all that. And like, okay, great. That's the easy stuff to do. The harder stuff is when you start going into like different details, like homebrewing monsters, homebrewing items, homebrewing magical effects, you know, just different things like that. And that's where... I think more of the challenge can actually lie because while you create something, you don't want it to be just so insanely underpowered or overpowered that it's just not fun for everybody at the table. So like one of the big things is um, anytime that I'm trying to homebrew something, especially like an item. Um, in fact, my, my cleric has a homebrewed item, uh, an actual relic that he's been carrying that, you know, I started out, kind of you know lackluster but that's because as we've talked about before you know we like things that evolve and grow with the character so one thing that i wanted to do was make sure that it started out low enough so that it's not you know completely breaking the game at this point so you take the stats from something and then just kind of play around with it you know it he, it happens to be a mace so i took the normal stats for a mace and then, you know, just kind of uh, did the copy, you know, something already from uh, D&D Beyond because it's a super easy thing to do and then start playing with some of the stats, you know, add an effect to it, um, you know, maybe tweak the damage, turn it into like a plus one mace or a plus two mm. mace or something instead of just a, a normal one. And I think that's real fast. I think that's something to point out real fast, too, is don't feel like you have to come up with something from scratch every time. Oh yeah. I most I likely. <laughs> yeah. Most likely there is something official out there 
that you can at the very least use as a template mm -hmm. or a base so that you don't have to go looking up all these other stats or figure out is is this the correct thing or what does a, a rare item look like or a very rare item look like or an uncommon item look like even at, at its baseline from like a, a power perspective. Mm -hmm. I almost always for the stuff I make, go find a baseline item first to then mod. Exactly. Like for me, for this mace, I think I did just start with a plus one mace because, you know, I figured it's better than, you know, just a crappy thing is going to be, you know, picking up from blacksmith because it's magical to begin with. And, and then, you know, that's when you start, like I said, playing with the stats, playing with different things and, and different effects for the first iteration. Um, gosh, I need to pull it up just to double check. I think basically I just made it so that, um, it can light up and it was a plus two mace for the most part. Um, let me look because I don't remember and I should have had it pulled up already. Um, yeah. So yeah, plus two mace. Um, so, you know, plus two to attacks, plus two to damage. Um, and uh, yeah, it can light up and everything. Pretty cool. Now, on top of that, once it leveled up, though, this is when we start getting into, you know, um, uh, leveling it up to the point where it's not just a common thing and or like an uncommon you know just like a, a normal weapon something that you would see so i have this mace it's called the mace of the life giver and it's specifically for this chosen of Coralon, which you know he's a cleric he's the chosen champion of of his god and so he's a cleric it's kind of healing this thing's called the mace of the life giver so what does you know you start kind of thinking about it what should it do? What would something like this do? And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you could cast Cure Wounds at range as opposed to, you know, having it to be touched. You know, it's a mace. It gives life. It should be able to heal in some fashion. So I went ahead and uh, made it a, a, a 10 foot range for Cure Wounds. Like, that's pretty cool. You know, it's it's not game breaking. He still might need to move to get closer to something. But 10 feet isn't a huge distance so that, you know, it's an entirely game breaking mechanic. Whereas, um, you know, healing word is a, a bonus action and, you know, less health, whereas he can just do an action, stay the same distance away and do cure wounds. So still need to get within 10, 10 feet. On top of that, I thought, again, it's awakened. It's a mace of a life giver. What can I add on top of that? So I gave him um, one cast of Revivify, doesn't use spell slots, doesn't use materials. And that is, uh, it's got a one week cooldown on it. Because again, it's not game breaking. At the level that these guys are playing at, death can happen. It can suck. But if you're a high level cleric, you can bring people back. So give him a tool to be able to do that. In my game universe, I still use like the death ritual. Uh, or the resurrection ritual and everything. So there is still a chance that it might fail, but it gives them a chance to be able to use that, you know, pretty, pretty fast right away. So that's where it's at right now. I mean, who knows if it'll level up anymore or not, but once it does again, they're level 11 right now, I'm going to be looking at it and, you know, raising it to something that would be appropriate for the level that they would be when that time comes. Yeah. That's, that's a great example of uh, an artifact or awaken type type item um, that you can, I think from a homebrew perspective, there's really not, uh, or from an official perspective, there's not much in the way of evolving type items. Um, 
you can get some vestiges of divergence if you have the uh, wild mount mm-hmm. campaign book i believe there's some vestiges in there that are those types of weapons but other than that there's not a whole lot of official type ones so those ones i found players really like a lot mm-hmm. because then they become very special uh, and very meaningful <clears throat> and they're they're kind of excited and waiting for the ooh what more will happen what more will get like i get like what will this become so that's a that's kind of a cool thing for a dm to have in your pocket and then i think one of the other big things the one of the reasons i say homebrew and you can do this specifically but i love to give my players useful items Mm -hmm. i like to give them stuff that they can actually use you know, and nothing against rolling on a big chart and like, OK, roll on treasure table one, then roll on loot table two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you rolled a 56. You got a, you know, wand of magic missile or something. Ooh. Um, that would actually be pretty cool. Uh, would be but, too bad. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> there's nothing against those. Um, I... I'm just not near personally, just not a huge fan of that kind of randomness. Yeah. And I like to, I like to leave, let either let them buy or let, let them, you know, buy items that they, they want or acquire items that potentially will be useful for their characters. And so because of that kind of philosophy, I end up homebrewing a lot of stuff that, uh, could be used specifically by characters. It's just like, yeah, they could have found this very rare bow here, but Mm -hmm. none of the characters are ranged. What good would that bow be? It's just going to sit in someone's backpack until they find someone with enough gold to sell it to. Yeah. In fact, uh, that's that I actually created a, 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 I thought it was a kind of a cool bow, but uh, no one used it in the group at all. So I'm like, okay, so it is sitting in someone's backpack, like literally just sitting there. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's just, it's just whatever, it's just your, your item philosophy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a lot of times, a lot of times I'll end up homebrewing those, uh, a lot of times from a monster standpoint and this, uh, homebrewing for monsters goes the exact same way Mm -hmm. as homebrewing for items. You can, I, I highly recommend you start with a template. Yes. At the even if nothing else, find a template for a monster with a just a CR that's around what you're going for. And like if you're going for if you want to make a caster of CR six, go find another caster. Doesn't matter what it is of CR six. That'll be at least a halfway decent starting point. If you want a big behemoth of CR twelve. Uh, go find a big tanky monster of CR 12 and use that as a starting point. Or uh, you might just want to give more variety to things like there's not enough different types of orcs or there's not enough different types of gnolls or there's not enough mm-hmm. different types of goblins or something. I want to make a goblin shaman that doesn't exist officially. All right, cool. Start with a normal goblin look at some adjacent CR-ish equivalent 
monsters and then go from there. Then you can go, okay, I take away this sword attack. I take away this bow attack. I put in this cantrip. I put in this, these, these two first level spell slots, or if you're kind of designing the new, new school way, uh, this new spell attack action that, that the goblin can take that where it's, it's all nice and written out for the, for the DM to run with. And so that's a really good way of extending um, your types without doing a ton of work, which is, which is great. Um, there's also just the normal homebrewing of take a baseline monster, you modify, you know, hit points, you modify damage, you modify uh, armor class, that type of thing. Those types of things can keep players on their toes because <clears throat> they will vary a little bit. And so they won't be able to just go, okay, this monster had 60 hit points, which means that one has 60 hit points. So we need to, you hit it twice and then that should be, that should be good. Uh, because even in real life, people don't have the same, like if we, if me and you, Ben, were to match hit points, we would not have the same amount of hit points. Oh no, definitely not. Our stats Probably. wouldn't be anywhere close either. <laughs> Our stats would not be the same either. So it, varying between different things, one orc might be hardier. One orc might be uh, more tired today. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. one one may, you know, have this extra thing uh, that they can do. And so uh, a lot of a lot of times just taking the baseline monsters and adding one or two things to make them more interesting uh, can go a long way towards making them feel more engaging, making them feel more unique and more fun to both run and play against. Exactly. Then, I mean, on top of that, too, you could have different things that you want to add to your world that don't exist. Um I actually created a race because I needed it because I had the crazy idea of, Hey, I want to have an awakened dog to be a shopkeeper. So I wanted to, uh, you know, give them the ability to actually be created in a, um, in a, a player sheet. I can't think of the words <laughs> anyways. Sorry. My mind is, already gone but um yeah i wanted to be able to make a, a a character sheet for for this you know this awakened dog and so i went ahead and I'm like okay what am i gonna do well let's look at creating a brand new character on any race and then make sure that we have you know something kind of similar to be able to pull in and again just change those different stats into something different like um what kind of languages would this dog have? And so, you know, I gave it some languages um, like age. How old could it be? I don't know. Let's let's figure this out. Um, then again, talking about alignments, the size, speed. And then I, I came up with some racials for it. Like um, I call it sniff vision. Uh, your sense of smell is that of legend. Um, you can track in all forms of darkness. Um you know, a magical or otherwise within 60 feet of you as if it were a bright light uh, or as if it, it were in bright light. And um, you are not able to discern intricate shapes or colors. So, you know, fun stuff like that. Essentially kind of like a dark vision, but for smell, keen senses, proficiency with with perception just automatically. You know, it's it's one of those things where, again, mirror something that you have access to and then give it its own unique personality. But again, try to 
you know, make it equal to what's there so that, again, you're not going overboard and just giving, you know, a player this insanely huge boost that they might have if they choose this homebrew, uh, you know, race, character, subclass, background, whatever it is, you know, I always try to keep it balanced. And I think that's one of the biggest keys that we can kind of go for, because if you do homebrew something for a player and, you know, they're running around in your campaign, I think you have to go into it and agree from the very beginning that things can change and things can be balanced as you've gone through and played, especially if it's something that's completely untested. You don't want to give them the legendary sword of a thousand souls and then have them walk up and and kill everything in one hit. Meanwhile, everybody else in the party is just kind of like, okay, well, that's no fun. You know, dial that down a little, make it a lot closer to what the other players are capable of and doing. And, you know, it evens it out. It makes it more fun so that everybody has that sense of equality. And on top of that, you can move forward and, you know, work with the other players, give them their special thing as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's a huge thing. And again, we're, we're both big advocates for session zero Mm -hmm. play. This is one of those things where um, that it's good to bring up. Hey, this is a homebrew world. There will be homebrew things in it. I don't always make homebrew things perfectly the first time. That's fine. Just know that if we need to tweak something down in power or or tweak it up in power, we have the freedom and the ability to do that as things go on, even if we have to retcon, you know, just a little bit here and there mm-hmm. um, from that perspective, uh, especially if your players want homebrew things or want to bring homebrew things into the game. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'm, I'm very allowable um, in, in large part. If you want to, you know, if you want to try something homebrew or um, there's, there's something you found or whatever, or, you know, make going as far making some of my own spells, my own items, all those, all those types of things. Or if if a player can't find something specifically thematic for them, I can work with them to help them uh, figure that out and customize it. And I will kind of move into a little bit of the shout out type things here soon because I have something kind of that that goes along with that. Uh, But we talked about items. We talked about monsters. This can definitely be done for classes and subclasses, too. Mm There's a lot of flavoring you can do homebrew-wise without changing any stats at all. Like if someone wanted more of a fire theme for a certain thing, then you could tweak a few things, maybe change damage types from like, this might have done poison before. Okay, cool. It does fire now. And you can change a lot of those little type things without upsetting much in the way of balance but allow you to theme things very strongly um, if a character or a player wants to go a specific way with a character. Yeah, I mean, perfect example is uh, Jester from Campaign 2 of Critical Role. Her hellish rebuke is ice as opposed to fire. Just simple reskin. Perfect. Done. Yeah, and the race, even. She was a blue tiefling. So instead of fire resistance, she had... Cold resistance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Yeah. Very, very easy reskin, but fit the character theme that Laura was wanting for Jester. Exactly. And it, and a very, very easy thing to do for, for Matt. And so they were able to meet in the middle and come up with, you know, a, a fun thing that didn't upset the balance, but fit, fit the theme that she was wanting to go for. Exactly. Um, then you could do something incredibly stupid like I did, which was homebrew one thing, which ended up needing another component of it homebrewed just to make a really stupid joke. I mean, that's a possibility, too. Uh, I have a little moth pendant called the Grey Wizard's uh, Crutch. And uh, by having that pendant, you can cast the spell Summon Giant Eagle. And it it sits around for uh, 18 seconds and then disappears. You know, you can attack for, for three rounds, then gone. But it's not there long enough to carry you to Mordor. No, definitely not. I mean, it, Unfortunate. It, it's so stupid. I had to actually create a summon giant eagle spell for this stupid thing to give it the spell on the thing. Yeah, it it's really dumb, but I was so proud of that and I will continue to put it in every game that I run. Love it. Love it. Um, any more homebrew tips before we before we move on? Not really. I think we pretty much covered a lot of it is, you know, just simply start with a template, have fun with it and make sure everybody knows that it can change. Yeah. And kind of moving on to our community content a little bit. This is this is a little bit of self-promotion. Oh, go for it, though. Um, so uh, but it's a great example of of the homebrewing conversation that we were having too. Uh, one of my players came to me and was like, Arcane Trickster uh, for this this multi-class I'm doing. Um, their character's a rogue, or their character's a, a ranger. They're multi-classing into, into rogue. And they were thinking of going Arcane Trickster because they'll get to pick their, their subclass next level. Um, and they were, they were like, ah, I don't know if Arcane Trickster really fits this theme of I'm wanting to go, because they're, they're Gloomstalker ranger, so they're wanting to do this more like shadowy, type theme uh manipulate that shadow fell connection mm-hmm. type thing uh and arcane trickster really wasn't quite doing it for him and so they came to me and, and they were like the the soul knife subclass for rogues is is kind of cool um maybe we could like reskin it or something like that like you know if we're gonna go if we're gonna go that far why don't this and this is the designer in me why don't I just make you a custom subclass for this? And so it was interesting because I'm partially creating this subclass to fulfill the specific fantasy this player wants. But at the same time, I didn't want to just design it fully around this player because then it would potentially be useless outside of this specific character. So I tried to go into it going okay how can i make this so it would be a interesting viable subclass just mm-hmm. to take as as a rogue something something interesting so i created uh and it's public on dnd beyond if you actually go into uh the collections and then like browse uh subclasses you can search for the shadow grasp 
S-H-A-D-O-W-G-R-A-S-P, um, Shadowgrass Rogue subclass, and you can actually add it to your game. I've got it fully uh, set up, integrated, uh, so it's usable in D&D Beyond with all the features. But I essentially, uh, I designed it based on kind of their once and then streamlined it so that it could actually be used anywhere, or the, that would be the hope. And so mm-hmm. essentially, it's a very um, rogues are one with the shadows type subclass. And so in this case, they're not just one with the shadows. They are one with the shadows. And they start actually tapping into the Shadowfell to give them this uh, pool of shade dice that allow them to do different things with the shadow energy. And then it's also partially a pet class as well. So they get this shadow creature that they can use to do specific things that as they progress through their subclass levels, they can do more things with the shadow creature and they get more uses for their shade dice. Which is very cool. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I like it. it. Just the idea of being able to pull from like, you know, the, the shadow fell and everything. It really fits with what you're going for, especially with the gloom stalker, uh, you know, uh, ranger multi-class. I think that you've done an incredible job actually building this. And of course we will have a link in the notes so that if you want to check it out and add it to your home homebrew and kind of play around with it, go for it because Ryan's done some hey. cool stuff here. And if you do, please let me know how it plays. <laughs> how it plays, because uh, we'll get to play out a decent chunk of it um, with with uh, the player in my in my game. But because it's a multi class, they'll never be able to reach the capstone of it. Um, so we won't get a we won't get a fully test the whole thing. And who knows how long it'll actually take to <laughs> you know get up get up there into the the higher levels. But um, I'm very excited to test it. It's it's one of those things I I talked to him about. I was like, hey, I will. I'm happy to design this thing so that we can fulfill more your your character fantasy because I think it's far more interesting and the players get more engaged if they can fulfill that fantasy. And narratively, it's very interesting for me too. But uh, at the same time, it's one of those things where it's just like, FYI, very few things are fully balanced on on first go. Yeah. Like the the best thing you can do is I can compare it to the other rogue subclasses and try and hit the ballpark on on balance. I don't know if it's too weak, I don't know if it's too strong, I don't know if it's actually pretty good. So it's one of those things where you have that conversation if you do something like this where you go Okay, you found this homebrew subclass. I looked it over, or I made it. In this case, it looks pretty decent. Uh, let's go with it. And then, if we need to adjust or tweak things, if something's not fun and needs to be changed, if something is very weak and needs to be changed, if something is too strong and needs to be pulled back a little bit, we will just do that as we go. Uh, and it's kind of like, play play and test as you go type thing yeah well, i'm looking oh, i'm excited to see to how it works yeah i'm looking forward to hearing more feedback and, and everything on it as well and uh definitely keep us informed and, and let us know what's going on with it and uh, how, how it's working out will do i'm i'm very excited myself to see it actually get get play in action 
Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Also, just as an FYI, uh, of course, Wild Beyond the Witchlight is out now uh, for all your Fey Wild needs, uh, both in hardback uh, from your local game store with a really cool uh, friendly local game store exclusive cover, mm-hmm. actually. And then, of course, on D&D Beyond, if you want to kind of take a look at some of that new design methodology that they're doing, um, or I, I've heard the adventure itself is actually very good uh, and very fun to play. And it's the first D&D supplement that you could technically play through entirely without combat. Yeah. Which I'm, is super interesting. I don't know. I, I doubt that will probably happen that much, but it is kind of cool that you can, that every encounter has some sort of a non-combat alternative. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, to digging into this. Uh, I've, I've actually got it um, on D and D beyond and uh, it's definitely, you know, kind of piqued my interest already because hey, Feywild's cool. Yeah, it, even though that. there's not not a Feywild like full adventure book or a full uh, setting book, it still gives a lot of information on the Feywild. So mm-hmm. it, if you're going there, or you're planning a campaign there, or you're you're planning you're, to have your party visit there or something, it'd probably be a really good supplement to have around. Definitely. All right. I think that's just about uh, everything that we wanted to cover for this episode. But of course, uh, before we leave, let's jump in real quick and find out what we've been doing in our personal game. So, Ben, uh, I know that stuff has happened with your party since we last talked. Oh, yeah. A couple things, actually. Um, so I, I believe last we talked, we, we talked about the, the Bahirs and how they were uh, they defeated him and everything. Well, um, my group went back to town and if this is starting to sound familiar, I told it last time, totally forgot that I did, but I don't think I did yet. (laughs) But anyways, group goes back into town and uh, a couple things happen. So they, uh, the paladin and the cleric end up having dinner with the, their benefactor who sent them on the mission to, you know, uh, procure those relics in the first place that, uh, ended up in the Bahir cavern and, uh, he, he very excitedly pointed out that he noticed that the cleric had one of these relics of creation and had a huge expedition dump about um, a, a few of these different uh, uh, relics that he's kind of been hunting. He's been um, working as best as he can to, you know, like build up the history on it, doing research, trying to find these things. Um, I mean, th- the thing about them is, is that, only the the chosen champion of a particular god is actually able to wield it and use it to its full potential and everything. So what he, this uh, gentleman is trying to do is collect them to have them available for those, like kind of pulling in, like essentially making his own Avengers, I guess. I don't know, something like that. Um, so that's, you know, like they're there, they're ready, they're found. Let's, you know, raise these up to, to you know, uh, fight for the, the cause of good. And based on that he told them that the the relics that they had found came from a dig site of this ruined uh dwarven city where one of these relics is supposed to be housed so he talked to them about potentially having them go out there and explore the ruins and try to you know recover this hammer of creation that is is moradin's um relic so they've got you know a potential quest coming up for for going into this 
ruined Dwarven City, which I'm super excited about. On top of that, there have been rumors of uh, people missing in this place, you know, in the the kind of the lower level of the city. Uh, you know, guards and everything, they don't care. They're not investigating it or anything. So my bard and my sorcerer went in to the only bar that's open in this area because everybody's superstitious about being out at night. So, you know, the streets are empty except for this one bar that, you know, it's the only place that that's open. So it's jumping. There's, you know, tons going on, people in there laughing, drinking, having fun. It's the only place to go and unwind. So they go to investigate and rolled horribly and came away with nothing, <laughs> like no information, nothing happened. You know, they're just in there just, you know, enjoying having a blast. So um, after the dinner, after the, the, you know, investigation at this tavern and stuff, they meet up, they kind of talk um, that night about everything that happened. Uh, both groups fill each other in. So then they decided, okay, we're probably going to go and try to, you know, find this relic. Hopefully, you know, they, they talked about it last session. So I'm assuming at some point they're going to go, you know, we'll see if that actually changes. Who knows? Um, but even more so they talked about, okay, well, let's go back tomorrow night, see what's going on in this tavern see if we can find something with, you know, a couple more eyes on the situation. So I'm like, okay, cool. So they, they went around, did the things that they need to do during the day. The nighttime comes and then they all went in kind of separate, did their own thing, started looking around. Now, my cleric has keen mind, so, you know, great feat to have. On top of that, too, he's got either a 19 or a 20 in just his passive insight and perception. And and I think maybe a 17 in investigation, I don't know, something like that. It's huge. He notices everything. So, of course, you know, he has a high passive, so I give him the perception role. And he notices that there's this, you know, kind of better dressed woman than she kind of should be for her station, you know, in this area of town who comes into the bar and you're just absolutely gorgeous. Walks up to the bar, starts kind of, you know, chatting up some people and stuff. Notices another one come in. She's like, hmm, okay. So during the course of the night, he's been kind of uh, walking out, you know, doing a little perimeter walk around the bar and everything. So he ends up leaving to kind of walk around, um, kind of, you know, points this out a little bit walks to the to the uh the opposite side of the bar you know outside and there's a third one standing there you know they all have different hair color you know they're not twins or, or triplets or anything like that but you know all same you know same kind of style of dress very you know kind of higher yeah, yeah, class yeah. and stuff like that so he starts having a conversation with her then we jump back inside and our paladin who's been kind of going around and doing an amazing thing of like, you know, drinking a ton, but basically setting her cup down and then, you know, laughing, joking, talking with people and then picking up an empty cup instead. So it looks like she's been drinking all night and totally fooling everybody because no one's paying attention. And, you know, the drunk people are like, oh, my, my glass is full again. They're not going to complain about it. So that's great. She watches one of these really well-dressed women walk out of the bar with a gentleman. It's like, oh, then the other one walks out with someone else. And then so basically we end up kind of everybody walking out. Cut back to the cleric. And suddenly this woman lunges to try to grapple him and bite his neck. There be vampires. Wow. So long story short, you start fighting these three different vampires. And oh, my gosh, it was fun. I had a blast with that, that, that encounter. Um, 
it got to the point where like they're not doing super great the vampires i mean they're they're kind of holding their own but then the paladin just destroys one of them into a bloody pulp and these vampire spawn you know aren't super super you know powerful yet so uh the the two that were left ran you know spider climbed up the walls onto the to roofs and started running in opposite directions well one of them got hit with a level five guiding bolt knocking her off the roof landed on the ground and she was finished the other one had a really good head start until my bard turns into a giant eagle to to chase and then the paladin pulls out her her horse figurine, summons her horse, hops on and starts chasing as well. So they end up actually catching that third one and and destroying her as well. And it was amazing. See, they, they had come to, to kind of realize that based on these rumors of everything that's been going on, um, there were some previous rumors like years before of, you know, disappearances. I kind of talked about that before, about how there were rumors of the gentleman who was there and kind of seen around these disappearances. And then they just kind of, they stopped, you know, first it was from high class and then like the middle class area, but then just completely stopped. So they'd found out that the first disappearance that happened actually wasn't a disappearance at all. This guy disappeared, but then came back a couple days later and he came back into town with his grandfather. So they, they're kind of putting two and two together and thinking, this is where the head vampire is. It's probably the dude or his grandpa or something like that. So during daytime tomorrow, they're going to go to that house and see what's going on. And I am super excited for when that happens. Cause I know what's going on there. They might not, but I do. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I was, I had a lot of fun. It was a, a, a fun little mystery for them to kind of figure out oh for sure and uh it's funny because the previous session paladin said oh they're probably just vampires or something like kind of joking around not really thinking about it and until they the one bit neck or bit uh they're trying to go for the cleric they didn't really know so i had a lot of fun with that reveal you've got a lot of holy damage though yes i do a cleric and a paladin (laughs) yeah So yeah, they're, I mean, that's one of the reasons why it was a really fun fight, and you know, they did they did a really good job taking out three vampire spawn. So I was really happy. Wow, about that. good for them. Yeah. Good for them. That's I, exciting. I'm I'm excited to see see what they do with the with the main one. Exactly, and I mean, I really tried to have that one get away. I thought I was going to, but boom, giant eagle. Just I'm like, oh crap, this is gonna work. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It's it's hilarious because I have a I have a similar story in in some ways. So it was my my first campaign. Now mm-hmm. uh, we left them trapped in a thirty foot pit meant for mammoths, uh, but they they fell into it uh, right before this orc scouting party went to check the pit for their <laughs> their trap here up in the the frozen north. Um, but it turns out they found the party instead. And so that, that whole session ended up just being for the most part, this huge combat thing between these, uh, I, 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 they're, they're kind of custom orcs. Um, uh, they, I call them the frost metal clan. Uh, so they're like these winter orcs. They're tougher. They're hardier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both two uh, two like melee and two casters rode in on these giant winter wolves 
And so there was there was this just huge uh, combat between uh, the party and such. And it was it was a lot of fun. It ended up being a lot more harrowing than I think uh, any of us thought it was <laughs> it was going to be uh, just because it turns out when most of the party starts combat in a 30 foot pit, it takes a little bit for them to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Although our Goliath threw our halfling wizard up and out of the pit. <laughs> and then of course she's up there alone as <laughs> all these things, these, these giant wolves and stuff are, are coming, oh, that's coming fun. towards them. Yeah. So, uh, a, a few, a few of the party went down. No one fully died, which was, which was good. That's good. Our, uh, our air Kokra actually got, uh, failed their save on a hold person and plummeted from the sky uh after they had cast this actually really good like lightning bolt through through several of them uh but almost became became wolf food uh, oh, except no. if it weren't for the fact that the fight was starting to turn so one of the orcs jumped on one of the wolves and started booking it out of there they ended up being able to take out the wolf but they didn't quite end up being able to get the orc I was writing. Oh, so one of the orcs escaped. And as our our uh, Goliath, who is from this area, knew that's no bueno. <laughs> that's not a good thing uh, because that orc will probably go back and they'll probably try and find them at some other point. Uh, but then the sorcerer used polymorph to turn the Goliath into a giant eagle the air cooker picked up the halfling, which is the only one that she can actually carry. Yeah. Uh, and the giant eagle grabbed the other two and they just flew to the outpost nice. entrance. They were going to, it's just like no tracks. And I was just like, okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're at this outpost of this uh, unknown, uh, fairly technologically advanced, thing uh and their whole goal is to go in scope it out take out anything that might hurt researchers essentially and then bring back cool stuff so that's that's kind of where we're at with that yeah i mean that's a really good escape so good on them for that and surviving yeah no it was it was it was a very fun very fun fight all around. I was I was very very proud of proud of them, and I was very proud of my orcs for uh, leaving way more of a mark than I thought that <laughs> thought good. they were going to leave. So that's good. Uh, it's always fun to have have really challenging fights every once in a while. Then my other group is currently lost in the jungle, a large alligator, dinosaur type thing that wanted midnight snacks <laughs> but they <laughs> but they ended up fighting it off uh and finding these these jungle ruins uh and found some very interesting stuff and on their way out they heard a voice that said freeze we have you surrounded ooh and so that's and that's where we ended that off so i'm i'm excited that's the the one we're going to pick back up here in uh a few days oh that sounds like a lot of fun I'm I'm a little jealous because um, we're packing up and, and going to be moving, so I don't get to play for about a month or so. Um, but uh, once we're back in yeah. house, I've been, creepy been house, going to be fun. 
yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to hear hear about that one. But it will have to wait until a later time. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, we'll wrap this episode up so that we can get this out to you all as soon as possible. Uh, but before we do, of course, Ben, where can everyone be reached? Well, if you're looking for the show and you have something, uh, you know, long form that you'd like to send us or want to tell us about some of the things you're excited about that came out from uh, Celebration or, you know, have some of the, the really nifty homebrew stuff that you want to share with us. You can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, if you have something that is uh, very succinct and able to fit in 280 characters or, you know, a, a thread on Twitter, you know, whatever, uh, you can always tweet us at dndiscussions. Uh, if you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him at tbkzord. If you're looking for me specifically, you can find me at Ben Bumhofer. Now. If you're thinking, gosh, these guys talk a talk, talk a talk. These guys talk the talk. Can they actually walk the walk? Talk well, a talk, talk. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you can check us out. We actually play on a uh, podcast, a uh, persistent campaign called Plus Five to Hits. Uh, we were going through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which, uh, well, we're actually getting back into that. We just finished uh, a, a nice little interlude from uh, Candlekeep Mysteries. Had a lot of fun with that. So check that out. Um, we have a new episode coming up uh, within a week or so, something like that. That is kind of a, uh, a recap of Rhyme to get everybody back on board. So if you're thinking, uh, wow, I'd really like to listen, but uh, don't want to listen to everything that came before, this would be a good time to jump right back in. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but as for this show, though, DN Discussions, if this is the first episode you've ever heard of, you're like, wow. This is great. I want to hear the rest of them. Well, guess what? You can, because every single episode is available online at your podcast player of choice. In fact, where you're listening right now is where you can find all of those other episodes. Or if you want to just, you know, go where the source is, go to dndiscussions.com. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. We always have a blast, uh, especially this time getting to talk a little bit about the future. That's yes. it's always always fun and, and interesting. Uh, so we will be back, of course, uh, on our regular schedule uh, here in two weeks. But until then, take care, and we'll see you later. Yep. Until next time, everybody, be good to each other, and goodbye. <laughs>